What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Hi, I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Here's what's coming up on a packed edition of Squawk Pod. Dancing on the debt ceiling. Another White House conference between President Biden and the Big Four leads to maybe some hope. What has changed in this meeting is the president changed the scope of who's all negotiating. What gave me the most hope is that everyone, including the speaker, agreed we need to be bipartisan. Those negotiating teams actually met on Capitol Hill last night, given that the deadline is just around the corner here. They want to get going, guys. We're bringing you two of the four from the room where it happens. First, House Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries. We're not going to solve the fiscal health of the American people over the next 10 years in two weeks. That's what Republicans are suggesting they'd like to do. And Speaker of the House Kevin McCarthy. For 21 straight years, we spent more than we brought in. No household would live this way, and no business or CEO would continue this pattern. The left, the right, and the American people stuck in the middle. We got all sides. We get all sides. We've even got the fun side of news, like entrepreneur and now Sports Illustrated cover model Martha Stewart. Successful living instead of successful aging. I don't want to talk about aging. Her business, her TikTok, and her trailblazing career. I'm like an original. I'm an original. Snow G. It is Wednesday, May 17th, 2023. A chalk full squawk pod begins right now. Stand Becky by in three, two, one. Cure, please. Good morning. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. We're live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Becky Quick along with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Meantime, we have a huge lineup today, and I mean huge. Huge. We've had some good shows recently, but I mean, this, I is, this is up there. Martha Stewart's going to be joining us on the set to talk about becoming the oldest ever Sports Illustrated swimsuit cover model and two of the principal players in the debt ceiling negotiations, House Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries and House Speaker Kevin McCarthy on the debt ceiling and where we really are. McConnell said we're not going to default. Uh. Someone from the White House said we're not going to default. So if you have both sides acknowledging that, OK, it may be a ways from here to there. But both sides recognizing that this is not well, something Did you we see that they, they have narrowed the number of players, and that was seen as a positive, and it was from President it Biden who, yeah. who narrowed it. You know, humor's not there. <laughs> I don't know what, what You don't want they too were. many cooks in the kitchen. You do not. You and do then not. Martha, she's the, in her prime, baby. In she's kitchen. still in yes. her prime. Yes. I, 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 maybe you see the cover? Hopefully that guy's watching and realizes that Martha is still, is still in her prime. Yep. So Don I don't Lemon. know. What right. did you say, 45 or 50? No, he said 40. But Martha looks fantastic. I don't know if you've seen she it. She does. People say, oh, they right. airbrush it. They airbrush every one of these covers. She looks great. Like, right. Phenomenal. Yeah. We're going to we, talk. When, when any of us come on without any makeup brushing, uh, I'll, we'll, we'll let you know. We all need. We all might need uh, a little help. But seriously, you're right. Yep. I, I don't. Trying to think of another show that is this open to. We got, we got all sides. We get all sides. Do you think? Where else? Pick another morning show where you could do those three. Do you think that they'd say yes? I think to, we're doing just fine on our own. Okay. We don't need to think about other people. We don't. Hello, folks. We're having a wonderful time. Everything's going well. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. 
Now to yesterday's uh, White House meeting between President Biden and the big four in Congress. Eamon Javers uh, joins us live uh, from Washington. It's, it's going from the big four to the, the big how many uh, next time, Eamon. That's interesting development, isn't it? Well, it looks like it's, it's also a big four, big three now. They're just a littler big four and big three because they're sort of outsourcing these negotiations to a team uh, of people who've been uh, uh, lined up here on the staff level, not the principal level, to actually do these negotiations. So we got this rare burst of optimism in Washington yesterday as congressional leaders emerged from the White House negotiations without a deal, but with a little bit of good feeling here. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy said the two sides are still far apart, but he also said this. It is possible to get a deal by the end of the week. It's not that difficult to get to an agreement. We also heard from President Biden, who spoke of something that's awfully hard to find in Washington these days, and that's consensus. There was an overwhelming consensus, I think, in today's meeting, the congressional leaders, that defaulting on the debt is simply not an option. Our economy would fall into recession. It would devastate retirement accounts, increase borrowing costs. And according to Moody's, nearly 8 million Americans would lose their jobs and their international reputation would be damaged in the extreme if we were to let that happen. And as we're talking about at the beginning, we learned that the two sides have agreed to this new structure for the negotiating teams and putting staff-level negotiators in place. They're going to wrangle out the details. That implies, of course, that there are some details to wrangle out. On the White House side, uh, the teams will be represented, uh, represented by longtime Biden advisor Steve Reschetti and OMB director Shalanda Young. So uh, there appears to be something moving. Politico reports this morning uh, that those negotiating teams actually met on Capitol Hill last night, given that the deadline is just around the corner here. They want to get going, guys. Joining us right now is House Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries. And uh, Leader Jeffries, thank you for being with us this morning. We are trying to get a feel for where things stand. It means a lot to not just investors and consumers, but obviously the, the, the future of our nation, what happens here. Um, I, I think the one thing that is now clear is that there is a negotiation that's taking place. This is not going to be a clean bill that is passed, a clean debt ceiling limit bill that's passed. Uh, and I guess we're still trying to figure out where where things stand in those negotiations. What can you tell us at this point? Well, good morning. There are certainly ongoing discussions. Uh, and in our view, those discussions are proceeding on two parallel tracks. One. Uh, we must avoid a catastrophic default on our nation's debt. It will be the first time we intentionally default in our 247-year history. Uh, it will result in triggering in all likelihood a job-killing recession, cost the American people millions of good-paying jobs, hurt the economy, hurt businesses, uh, tank the stock market, hurt the retirement security of millions of Americans, and, of course, uh, dramatically increase costs all at the same time. Uh, and so we have to make sure that America pays our bills in a manner uh, that is done without gamesmanship, partisanship or brinksmanship. At the same time, uh, Democrats under the leadership of President Biden have always maintained that we are, of course, willing to discuss the budget and the appropriations uh, and the types of spending decisions, investment decisions uh, and revenue decisions that should be made to protect the health, the safety, and the well-being of the American people. It was a very positive meeting yesterday. Uh, it was calm. It was candid uh, in terms of the discussion. And I'm optimistic that common ground will be found in the next week or so. Coming out of this, just trying to figure out what's on the table, what isn't, we're going to be speaking with um, speaker, with leader, uh, with 
I'm sorry, with Speaker McCarthy next. And he has said to the press that when it comes down to it, they're going to be insisting on tougher work requirements and said that this is a red line that was drawn for, for what he expects to see. You've, you've called this a non-starter. Yeah, work requirements, so-called work requirements, are a non-starter. Uh, first and foremost, it's important to understand that in 2018, the last time we discussed the Farm Bill, 145 Republicans explicitly voted against an amendment that would impose so-called work requirements on SNAP recipients, including then House uh, Majority Leader Kevin McCarthy voted against it. And so it's entirely unreasonable to think that at this particular point in time, in the context of a debt ceiling showdown that has been manufactured as part of an effort to avoid a default, uh, that these type of so-called work requirements can be imposed uh, on the American people when there are already significant work requirements that exist under law and Republicans previously and explicitly voted against them. We can have a discussion about those issues, but that should be done in the context of the Farm Bill, not with a gun being held to the head of the American people in a hostage-taking situation. Leader, it's, it's good to have you on, obviously, uh, uh, today. Two years, caps, 10 years. I don't know what that looks like in terms of spending caps. I don't know, how do you... Do you split the difference? Do you, do you not do anything? And, and what are the chances for something that goes longer than just, uh, for lack of a better term, kicking the can down the road? Is that still an option to get this done and, and revisit it in less than a year? Or will it go out past the next election? What do you think finally happens? Well, we can't continue to find ourselves in this situation where there's a flirtation with a default uh, it creates uncertainty that's bad for the American people, that's bad for the economy, that's bad for business. And so our view has consistently been that any resolution of this matter has to be at least two years in nature. And that was a position that was once again made clear in the meeting yesterday. At the same time, uh, we should have a very uh, aggressive discussion about deficit reduction into the future. President Biden, under his administration, in addition to all of the significant legislative accomplishments that occurred in the last Congress, including around infrastructure or the Chips and Science Act or the Inflation Reduction Act, reduced the deficit by $1.7 trillion and then presented a budget that would not only protect and strengthen Social Security, build an economy that works for everyday Americans, it would also reduce the deficit by an additional $3 trillion. That's a total of $4.7 trillion in deficit reduction. Uh, that matches what the Republicans are proposing. And so let's have a conversation about the best way to get there. It can't only be draconian spending cuts that would hurt the safety, the well-being, uh, and the health of the American people. We also have to make sure that revenue is put on the table, uh, that we revisit sort of wasteful subsidies for big oil and big pharma. And that's a conversation that we can have, uh, but that should be done in the context of the budget discussion and the appropriations discussion. Nobody's talking about raising taxes in, in the debt ceiling negotiations at this point. This would be, this would be later, Leader? Our, our view is that if we're going to have a thoughtful conversation about deficit reduction, uh, that that conversation can't simply be one-sided based on the right-wing ideological perspective 
of leader- a handful of extreme MAGA Republicans. It can't, it can't, it can't it, that, that can't, that's right. not how you make public policy in leader, divided but government. Is there, I guess the question is, is there a conversation have, have, happening in the room that revolves around taxes in a meaningful way, either uh, extending the tax cuts under, under President Trump, which, by the way, would continue to add uh, to the deficit, uh, or shifting or changing those programs down the line? Is that, on, is that on the table right now? Is that what you're saying? What I'm saying is that if we're going to have a meaningful conversation about deficit reduction, which my Republican colleagues have said they would like to have, that that conversation has to involve an evaluation of spending and evaluation of revenue. And that point was made very clear yesterday in the White House meeting. Can I just ask, do you think that there is going to be a deal that is done two weeks from now? Because it sounds like you, you all are very far apart. And this is before we even hear from Speaker McCarthy. McCarthy. No, as I indicated, I thought it was a very positive, forward-looking meeting, and I think uh, that everyone articulated their positions, but uh, three things were made clear. One, we cannot allow a default to happen. Two, this is going to occur in a bipartisan way. And three, we all need to get to work with the fierce urgency of now to make sure that America pays our bills in advance. Leader, I don't think June anyone 1st. disagrees with that. I think that I think that once you start talking about taxes, tax hikes, tax cuts, tax whatever, that's longer. That's a conversation that takes longer than two weeks to resolve. And so the question is sort of how does that get resolved? Does this get kicked down the can in terms of is there a three month reprieve and you're going to continue these these conversations? So we're but we're back having this conversation all over again come September. What? How did, how, what does that look like? Well, what it should look like in the view uh, of many of us is that we should make sure we avoid a default in the same way that has been done under Democratic presidents and Republican presidents, including three times under the presidency of Donald Trump, uh, not in the context of gamesmanship or partisanship or brinksmanship. Right. Uh, no, now, I simultaneously, that. I'm just talking about we're the practicalities saying, of how you get there in the next two weeks. Uh, right. And, and, and the, right. And the practicality is that if we, we're not going to solve the fiscal health of the American people over the next 10 years in two weeks. That's what Republicans are suggesting they'd like to do. And what we're saying is that we should have a serious discussion about that. But every available tool to engage in deficit reduction, to build an economy, to continue economic growth should be part of that discussion. And if we can't do that in two weeks, then of course that's a conversation that should occur along the usual budget and appropriations but, track but, but, while but, but, avoiding a default. But, but Leader Jeffries, making, taking a stand and making the point that you don't negotiate with terrorists, which I keep hearing, and that there's hostage taking and you're not going to do that, would taking a stand right now and insisting on a clean debt bill is that worth, is that the hill you should die on if it causes a default? Or do you acknowledge there's going to be negotiations to get it done? It's not going to be a clean bill. Is that worth dying for as a, uh, you know, just a, a terminology? Is that worth it? First of all, I've not heard anyone suggest uh, that we don't negotiate with terrorists. I don't view my GOP colleagues. I certainly don't well, you view the MAGA, speaker you call as a terrorist. MAGA demands. We heard the old MAGA trope r- rolled out, the ultra-MAGA trope. So well, no. I, I've heard other uh, Democrats say we won't negotiate with First of all, uh, extreme MAGA Republicans is not a trope. Uh, Donald Trump no. has made clear it, it, that the party it's not a good is way a to MAGA negotiate. Republican party. It, so I, let's not... So, let, 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 uh, uh, Joe, let's not take us off track. What we're okay. trying to do 
uh, is to arrive at an agreement that avoids a default and sets us on a course to address the fiscal health of the United States of America in a responsible way in the context of divided government where Joe Biden is the president and Democrats are in the majority in the House of, in the Senate and is a closely divided House of Representatives. We got 30 seconds. 14th Amendment. You think it could ever work? Maybe not in this context and, and given the risks, but longer term down the line, could you ever use the 14th Amendment and actually challenge it in courts if, if this is something you think that needs to get uh, undone? I think we have to find a bipartisan resolution, and I'm confident that we will, that can move the country forward. But not in court. Okay. Later, Jeffries. Thank you for your time today. Next on Squawk Pod, the other side of the debt debate with another of the big four, Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy. How much is too much? You're sitting almost at a $32 trillion debt. Your debt is now larger than your economy. A look behind the D.C. curtain from the politicians working to avoid an American default. The greatest threat to America is not Russia or China. It's the size of our debt. All that right after this. Hello, I'm Laura Castleton, U.S. Head of Portfolio Construction and Strategy at Janice Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janice Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of brighter futures for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Welcome back to Squawk Pod, where we're getting to the bottom of the debt ceiling debate in Washington. First, you heard from House Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries, Democratic congressman from New York. And now you'll hear from the other side of the aisle. Here's Joe Kernan kicking off this next conversation. We are seeing some apparent uh, progress, as we just heard in debt ceiling talks. President Biden and House Speaker Kevin McCarthy uh, naming representatives uh, to take the lead on negotiations. Biden will also uh, return to Washington early from an overseas trip that begins today. We spoke with uh, House Democratic leader, Hakeem Jeffries. It was a very positive meeting yesterday. Uh, it was calm, it was candid uh, in terms of the discussion. And I'm optimistic that common ground will be found in the next week or so. And joining us now, Speaker of the House, uh, California Representative Kevin McCarthy. It's been great to have you on. Uh, thank you, uh, Mr. Speaker. But uh, it, it was noted that <clears throat> I think yesterday morning, you sounded pretty pessimistic, and it, it was a, a real change in tone uh, by, a, after the meeting. W what happened exactly? Can you give us any insight into that? Well, the difference is um, our meetings before were staffers of the four leaders, and there was no time that we were going to get an agreement continuing that way. What we really have to do is what every time before was able to do. 
the president uh, should appoint either himself or people from his administration to negotiate directly with myself, something that Mitch McConnell has said, something that uh, President Trump did with Nancy Pelosi, with Bush and Obama did before. That is a structure that could actually find a way that we can come to fruition. The challenge here is the president waited 104 days till he came to this conclusion. Look, I went in February 1st. I said, no new taxes and no clean debt ceiling, but everything else is on the table. I want to be reasonable. I want to be sensible. But more importantly, we want to be responsible. And he ignored us, said we couldn't have a negotiations. Um, now is the final time that he finally admitted we're going to negotiate and we have a structure to negotiate. The problem is the timeline is very short. But Republicans are the only one who have passed a bill to limit, save and grow, to raise the debt ceiling and actually make the economy stronger. What do you think the final bill looks like, Mr. Speaker? And we ask uh, Leader Jeffries about the, the two-year spending caps that Democrats would seem to be amenable to versus the 10-year that you're in, insisting on. How, what does a compromise there look like? I, I did the math. That'd be six years. Two plus 10 is 12, right? No, no in between it'd be... Whatever. You're not going to get that from the Democrats. What would you be satisfied with? What do you think they'd, they'd agree to? I'm not going to sit and negotiate with you. We started last night already in the room. <laughs> uh, but I, look, we could be really sensible and responsible about this. Um, how much is too much? You're sitting almost at a $32 trillion debt. Your debt is now larger than your economy. You're going to pay more in interest in the next 10 years than you paid in the last 80 years. We can no longer ignore this problem. Th whatever agreement we come to is not going to solve this because we're not tackling the biggest items. But we have to put a trajectory that we're actually curving the spending level. And we've got to be ability to build things in America. So what I'm looking to and where the Democrats say is draconian, we're talking about spending limits of what we spent five months ago, they think that's draconian. We're talking about work requirements that bring people out of poverty. And remember, this is only on able-bodied people at the certain age that have no dependents. Otherwise, what you're saying is you want to borrow more money from places like China to pay people not to work. Um, I want to get people back into the workforce, help the supply chain, make us less dependent upon China, and let's curve this inflation by bringing back money that is simply wasted. We spent billions of dollars on COVID, money that hasn't even been spent, and they're arguing about bringing that back when it sat there for two years? That's the difficult part here. Even the most common sense things become so difficult for Democrats to make a decision on. Speaker McCarthy, uh, we, we just had Hakeem Jeffries on. You, you may have heard what he had to say on some of those things. We, we pushed him a little bit on that very issue, just the idea of work requirements. He says it's a non-starter. You say that, look, there's a red line that's drawn here that that has to happen. So it sounds like while there's certainly a negotiation that's taking place, that's clear, that's good news, it sounds like you all are making progress. It sounds like there are still some pretty hardline issues where both sides are kind of digging in. Look, I have never um, said we weren't going to have a difficult time here, but I was always going to be responsible. Remember what I did back from February 1st. Remember going to the stock exchange. I have tried to tell the American public we have a problem and we need to negotiate. The other side believed that you should never negotiate and just lift the debt ceiling. We know that's not responsible. So now we're sitting down. The president, as a senator, voted for work requirements. We've watched in Wisconsin just a couple months ago when the Democrats had a very big night. They voted for work requirements by 82 percent. And work requirements only go to those able-bodied people with no dependents. Um, 
to, you could be in school and be waived. You could be looking for a job and be waived. But what we found with every statistical data, it helps people get a job. It helps our supply chain. It helps the economy and the individual even stronger. And that's what we should be doing. Speaker, uh, one of the things that uh, Kim Jeffries was talking about was taxes and where taxes are going to fit into all of this. Uh, you've called, I believe, for extending the tax cuts that were put in place under President Trump. You've probably seen the CBO uh, say that that cost uh, the taxpayers effectively $3.5 trillion in terms of adding to the debt. How does that dynamic uh, work in this context? Well, thanks for the question. First of all, there is not going to be a tax discussion in this debt ceiling. The president admitted that yesterday at the beginning. But let's literally talk about this because this is a good topic you brought up. You know, if you look at the 50-year average of how much money government brings in, average, we usually bring in about 17% of GDP. Right now, we're almost at 20% of GDP bringing in. So what you find is only two other times in modern history have we ever been at this point, in 1944 and the year 2000. So you're actually not even bring, you're bringing in more than any other time. So the real problem is what we are spending. Normally on a 50-year average, we spend about 21% of GDP. We're now over 23.6 on our way to 25%. So the problem is the spending level. And it's not just that the taxes are bringing in more money than anybody projected. The economy became stronger. We became more competitive. Companies came back to America instead of going to other countries. But what you really want to look at is what the Democrats passed last time. They called the inflation reduction. That's costing more than three times what they projected it would cost. We're watching the president claim that he cut the deficit by $1.7 trillion. He didn't do anything. Three programs ended from COVID. He actually increased the deficit by more than $500 billion of what he said it would be. So if you want to be apples to apples, we, it's very simple. We are spending more money uh, by a 50-year average than we actually bring in. For 21 straight years, we spent more than we brought in. No household would live this way, and no business or CEO that you interview every single day would continue this pattern. And that's all we're saying. Let's curve what we are spending less than we spent last year. Let's go back five months. Let's put in things that make us grow, right? Permitting reform. Cut the red tape. If you like renewable energy, be able to get the permit to do it. Build the roads. But also the other energy we talked about. Let's help people get jobs again. Let's be less dependent upon China. I think that's reasonable and sensible, but I didn't think it was reasonable that I had to wait 104 days till they finally admit they'd Speaker, come into the room and negotiate. To the extent there are Democrats watching you right now, and to the extent you would want to talk to them if this is going to be a bipartisan deal, what do you say to the, to the, to the viewer who says, look, during the Trump administration, while you were in office, you did not push back on increasing the debt and the deficit? Well, I would tell you one thing. If you're talking about a debt ceiling negotiations, that's not true. President Trump negotiated with Nancy Pelosi. The difference was she argued to spend more money. We pushed back, and I think there's enough blame to go around with Republicans and Democrats. They all spent too much in the last 21 years. But you know what? There comes a moment in time when you hit the wall. We're now at a debt that we have is larger than an economy, more than 20%. We haven't seen this since World War II. And you can't continue down this trajectory if you want to continue to be the strongest nation in the world. You know, when you talk to the Defense Department, not this year, but years ago, they tell you the greatest threat to America is not Russia or China, it's the size of our debt. And this is a real concern. So I haven't sat down and said it has to be one way or no way. I simply asked the president, can we have a negotiation about it? 
can we negotiate? Can we talk about it? You bring up your ideas, I'll bring up mine, and let's let the best idea at the end of the day win. I think whether you're Democrat, Independent, or Republican, you have this debate in your own household. So why can't we have this debate with the taxpayers' money as well? Mr. Speaker, I also see, and, and both sides have, have completely different memories about previous debt ceiling uh, negotiations and whether there were negotiations, whether there's a clean debt bill or not. But one thing that, that keeps coming back to me is it's been posited that, posited that there has never been this type of uh, brinkmanship or leverage that the Democrats have never said, we will not raise the debt ceiling uh, uh, if you don't do what we want to do. That that's never, this is unprecedented. It's never been done before. And it would set a bad precedent. I is that true, number one, it's never been done? And do you worry that the next time the shoe's on the other foot, uh, that the Democrats will say, hey, we're able to do this. You, you did it in, in 2023. No, we've watched all the times before. Some of the best legislation we've got where we can curve spending came with the debt ceiling negotiations. You can sit back and you could watch the comments Schumer made or Nancy Pelosi made. Both sides of the aisle have talked about this. But we have divided government. And, you know, the founders has devised our government where the House passes the bill, the Senate passes a bill, and you go to conference. Unfortunately, in this situation, only the House has passed the bill. So there's no conference to go to. But when you have a president that simply says, I will not negotiate with you, you have to have a clean debt ceiling, or there's no way we can go forward, that's not what the American people ask for, and that's not the way our government is designed. Look, I believe, just in business every day, different opinions can get together, come to an agreement where both sides feel they win. I've been asking for that from day one. Let's get into the room, let's have a negotiations, and let's walk out where the American people win. Let's limit our ability to continue to spend crazily in the future years. Let's oh. save money that has been wasted, and let's grow our economy and make us stronger again. I, I don't think it, it's that difficult. It was clear to you, and it was no easy task, but when you got 217 to actually pass a bill that raises the debt ceiling, uh, I think you knew you, that, that was, I don't know whether that was a checkmate or whatever you'd want to call that, but that changed the whole dynamic. But you still, you can maybe have, I don't know if you have sympathy, at least empathy for the president when you see the progressives in his party just, uh, I mean, heads are exploding about negotiating with terrorists and there's been hostages taken and don't you dare do anything, stick your guns on the clean debt bill. I mean, he's got a tough Jobs that you have to satisfy some of your guys and gals in the Freedom Caucus are what they call. We just heard them called that again, the extreme MAGA types in your party. And, and the president has his own uh, issues with that wing of his party. Hard well, to watch. Let's be very let's be very clear. The only people I'm trying to satisfy is the American public and also make sure that there is a future for the children um, and our grandchildren. But he is the president of the United States. He should look out for the American people first. And you know what? He's the leader of his party. If he truly believes we should continue to just borrow money and there's not one dollar you could find a place to cut, I I'm not quite sure any American agrees with that. You so, know, though, Mr. Speaker, they, we just heard Leader Jeffrey say, and <clears throat> you addressed it already, and we hear it all the time, that, uh, that the president cut the deficit by $1.7 And then the budget that was introduced also that has a lot of revenue uh, raises. That would cut the deficit. It, I don't think it has... I mean, no. you can comment on that. Is, is that Listen, budget he introduced to have any chance? And do you, are you going to work on a budget uh, after we get through this? Because everyone yes. still expect, hasn't seen a budget 
from the Republicans. Yeah, let, now let's be very clear. The 1.7 was three programs that were created because of COVID before he took office that ended. That's the only cuts that have taken place in government. He actually spent 500 billion more than he projected he was even going to spend. He added six trillion dollars to Democrats that brought us inflation that harmed every single American. That we now have three of the four largest bank failures in just in the last couple months. So yeah, their fiscal policy and monetary policy has failed in America. I'm not asking to change all that. I'm just saying let's spend less than we spent last year. Let's find places we can grow and let's find places we can save. And I had to argue, if, I, if we had not passed the bill, do you think we'd even be in the room discussing this? That shouldn't be the way government works. Two sides should be able to sit down and talk, even if they have differences, and find common ground. Every family does it, every business does it, and the American government should do it as well. And that's all I'm asking, and that's all we have been asking for the last 104 days. Now we have an opportunity, but we only have a few days to get the job done. And I'm going to spend all my effort to make sure we get the job done. Can anything that, that neither side is planning go wrong just logistically? The president's coming, he's cutting his, his trip short, uh, not going to, to New Guinea now, I guess. But you're still cutting it kind of close. Um, you actually have to pass these things, right? People have to be there. I mean, it, you have to go through all the, uh, the rules and regulations of the Senate and the House. I mean, it. It, it gets makes people a little bit nervous in the financial markets. It, it should make you could nervous. Go wrong. You got to get moving. But I've been on your show many times telling you we should be nervous because the president's not negotiating. Um, we, the Republicans passed our bill in April, long before Secretary Yellen told us the deadline was June first. I never wanted to be working towards a deadline. We're going to do the it. The worst way bigger, to form government. It's going to happen. You're you're you're, how, you're like Drexel, highly confident. The old Drexel. Look, the only, the only thing I'm confident about is now we have a structure to find a way to come to a conclusion. The timeline is very tight, uh, but we're going to make sure we're in the room and get this done. But uh, you're not confident that there will not be a debt default? Look, I think at the end of the day, we do not have a debt default. I think we finally got the president to agree to negotiate. That was probably difficult for him to say as president he would negotiate with somebody. But it's really what the old Joe Biden was good at. And now we've got an opportunity for him to be back to what he used to be able to do. And let's get the job done. Thank you for uh, once again, we get to get straight from I, you is much better than hearing things and, and postulating remember, things. But remember this, I never give up in anything that we've done. At the end of the day, we get the job done and that's what we'll do again. All right. We'll leave it, uh, leave it there. Thank you, Speaker McCarthy. Thank you. Cheese will be next. Coming up on Squawk Pod, Martha Stewart, entrepreneur, author, Emmy Award winner, and now a Sports Illustrated swimsuit model at 81 years young. My big message is successful living. How she does it. Good diet, uh, healthy food, no, no booze at all. Ugh. And how she stays real, even on the cover of a major magazine. By the way, she's standing right next to us. She's not airbrushed, I'm telling you, I am looking at her. She's fabulous. In her prime. The icon's secrets to her best life and best business in her 80s, right after this. Stay tuned. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. 
That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. This is Squawk Pod from CNBC with Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, Andrew Ross Sorkin, and today, Martha Stewart. Here's Andrew. The one and only Martha Stewart, the person behind the powerhouse brand. She's an icon in the kitchen, best-selling author, entrepreneur, CBD, CEO. She's got her friendship with Snoop Dogg, social media star, and now famous pool selfie at 81 years old. She's the oldest person on the cover of Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue in history. The cover girl is here, Martha Stewart, founder and Martha Stewart Living on the Media, which is owned, of course, by Marky Brands. Good morning. Hi. How did this, tell us how this happened. It took so long. Oh, it took so long. But you remember, I was a model when I was 16. Yes. And yeah. I, I did pose in bathing suits back then. Some did of the you pictures ever do Sports are beautiful. No, I've never yeah. done. Uh, they called me in November of last year and uh, asked if I would consider posing for uh, Sports Illustrated. And I said, I thought about it for about a second. For a and, second, and not, thought, not more than a but, second. But, you know, you have to think, am I, am I ready? Can I, can I get in shape? Can I do this? Can I do that? You look and, great. You and I had two months. Anything. I had two months to get really in shape. You have to be in shape shape. You know, it's not, you can't fake it because it's, you're in a bathing suit. Yeah. Right. You are exposed. exposed. <laughs> and not only one bathing suit, but nine bathing suits ah. in the Dominican Republic floating around in the water with the photographer and the lighting guys, everybody in the, in the water with you. And, uh, and then, you know, they're prodding you and poking you and making you do, do odd little poses. But it was fun. It was very fun. What was and your regimen to, to, get, to get in super straight? Um, what was diet, of course. Good diet. Uh, healthy food. No, no booze at all. Um, and uh, I discovered Pilates finally again. And I went back and I did three, at least three times a week. And I have a great trainer up in Bedford. And uh, she was great. She, you know, we did multiple, multiple repetitions of every single horrible exercise. And uh, it helped. It got you nice here, nice there, you know, elongating and muscly. And it was great. Do you like exercise at all? Oh, I always have exercise. Do you like exercise? Yeah, I, t- I, I tell I my trainer every day, it, I hate exercise. Each, each thing he tells me to do, I, I go, have, I hate that. He goes, you hate everything. I, I hate watch, everything. I have to watch squat box. <laughs> you know, while I'm exercising, I, you know, that's what I, my regimen is watch, watch something, listen to the news, and exercise at the same time. I like time. finishing. I horseback ride, too, you know. So uh, that's really good for your body, good for yep. your core and all that. Exactly, legs. So I want to just, as an entrepreneur and marketer, though, you've created these moments, and this is just the latest of these moments. Do you think of them like that? Um, I think of them as very useful in getting across a message. And my message, my big message, for, even with this thing, is successful living. Um, I, I just can't stand it when I see someone kind of hobbling along the street and, and not, not living life to the fullest. It really is sad to me. And my mom was my example. She, was, she lived till 93. She was never sick. She had six kids. She could still wear two-piece bathing suits. <laughs> you know, she was really in good shape. Nutley. Uh, Nutley, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then she lived in, in uh, Weston, Connecticut. But she was great. And, um, and so that successful living instead of right. successful aging, I don't want to talk about aging at all. Do you think it's easier or harder to create a brand today? 
If you, um, do you think if you if you were starting from scratch today that you could be just as easy? Oh, well, I mean, not that it was easy it is, ever for you. It is actually more competitive now to start a good right. brand. It's, it's, and then there are flukes, there are the Kardashians that can, you know, have come amazingly fast uh, with a fantastic brand. And then, uh, but a lot of young, young entrepreneurs, I'm, I'm, I'm noticing that they're struggling a little bit. Even with social media, all the help that you get from Instagram and, and TikTok and Pinterest and all the other things, it is a little bit harder now, I think, to right. start because of the competition. Martha, we've seen a couple of things in retail earnings and with numbers we focus on from the economy. Bank of America Institute said last week that higher-end people were, were actually shrinking their spending more rapidly than even people in the lower quintiles. And, and then this morning we had Target out talking about how, yeah, the consumer softened a bit in April. Again, in May they saw that. And especially when it comes to the hard lines, homewares, all of those things, that's what people have pulled back on. For the last year, they've seen softness in those areas. Well, that's why I'm doing wine because people are drinking wine. My wine has really done amazingly well for a two-year-old wine. We're, we got a 91 on wine enthusiast for my Martha Shard. Uh, we have um, a now lighter Shard, uh, that, which, which is very tasty. I worked really hard on the taste uh, right. and the flavor uh, components of those wines uh, with 19 Crimes, Treasury Wines, and it's done very, very well. So that's a good, that's a good business. Um, the, um, the, the clothing business, parts of the clothing business are still good. People are spending on inexpensive clothing. I mean, my beautiful puffer vest costs about $59 or less, and instead of the $500 vests that are out there. So um, I'm always looking for the best quality at the best price. And I've always done that. You know that. And, you, and you've pushed into the different spaces, though. So what are you thinking about next? Oh, I'm thinking about this. Silver tree. So what is that? Well, this, you want to live fearlessly, you live with something like this. Your age, any age, because I do a lot of stuff by myself. I do a lot of hiking, horseback riding. And if I have this, this will alert you. It's, right. it's a, it, you know, I don't want to use the other word, the other brand, but this is silver tree. It's coming out just, we're just, just launching it. Okay. It's, with, uh, it's with two amazing entrepreneurial engineers software engineers, and they have, they have very nice features. You'll hear all what's, about that. What's different than the Apple Watch? I mean, I'll uh, use the other Well, one. first of all, the battery lasts for 30 days, so you don't have to take it off when you take a shower. It's waterproof and all that stuff. But uh, in terms of, uh, of the company, I'm, we have an Amazon home shop now, which is very good. Finally, I have my own shop on Amazon. And that has all our good products, products. And, and information. That content, my evergreen content, right. is finally uh, being used in a very wide array of different products. And my, my, the funnest thing I'm doing right now is my TV show for, for Roku. Yeah. And uh, that is uh, it's back to sort of the old Martha show, the one that, that really educated. And it's outside. We have gardening, we have cooking, and we have entertaining. And it's, it's a lot of fun. We're doing like 40 shows a year. That's a lot of shows. Wow. CBD, last time you were here. Maybe yeah. not last time you were here, well, but we've talked oh, CBD a lot. And then, of course, Snoop. Snoop. And, well, the CBD, we have just um, upgraded the flavors of our gummies. Okay. The most delicious flavors you have ever, ever. Boysenberry and, uh, and black raspberry and, uh, oh, yuzu. I wish you taste these. They're really delicious. And we've upped the um, content. So instead of 10 milligrams or 15 milligrams, it's now 35 milligrams. Uh-huh. So and what does that mean? Work, well, you don't it have means to eat three of them. It means they're going to be more relaxed? You don't have to eat three of them. You eat one okay. of them. 
So it, it really and is. And what fun. has to happen for you to get into the targets of the world? The, the government. Right. We're lobbying all the time to get the, the vote uh, to allow the, uh, I mean, CBD. People are selling marijuana on the streets legally, and we can't get CBD into the big box stores. Right. Uh, we talk about social media all the time. Of the various platforms, and I, I assume there's some people in the back taking even images of you and pictures that'll show up on your social media. What's working? Which ones do you think are actually working? What do you think uh, has well, sort of a long-term... Well, with the swimsuit thing, everything's working. It's like, <laughs> it's like crazy, you know. But um, Instagram tells a really good story. Okay. Um, the TikTok is a really good video. And right. we do a lot of how-to videos on TikTok. And we have built a very nice audience there. So uh, it works. It works. And, and I, I went on TikTok just because the, my demographic wasn't on TikTok. So they asked me to start doing a lot of TikToks, and it, right. it, it really does draw in an audience. You still with the great Susan Magrino? She's still around? Susan Magrino's right back there. Oh, no. <laughs> yes, oh, my God. I, I didn't, I'm sorry. I didn't see you back there. How are you? Susan's great. been she's, doing, she's my, helpful. doing my PR for, yeah. uh, like, four, how many years, Susan? It's like 34 years or something. 40 years. 40. Yeah, I'm oblivious to what's really going on around me. Are you, uh, we just uh, interviewed Elon Musk yesterday. David Faber did. We've been talking about that interview all morning. Uh, are you on Twitter? Oh, yes. Okay. How does you know, that work I've been, for you? I've been on Twitter since the very beginning, and I got nervous. I mean, I, I've, I've owned the stock for a long, long time. I, I sold it at, you know, the $54 price with everybody else to, to Elon. Right. Uh, but I tell you, um, I knew he was going to really rip it apart. And he, I think now with this new hire, a new CEO, right. I think Lindy it might Acarino. become one of the great news platforms. Um, and I'm not, I'm, I'm, I, I think he's a genius. So I see you uh, have a blue check mark. Do you pay for that or did they give that to you? I didn't pay for it. Um, but you I, got, I've had it. You got I'm, granted. I mean, I'm like they took original. it away from the I'm rest an original. of us. <laughs> yeah. I used, no I used yeah. Twitter not before I used Facebook. Yeah. That's have you? You're real. You I don't want one. 3.4 million followers you guys. Plausible deniability. <laughs> yeah, I have a lot that of followers. That might, might, might not be me. I, I don't want one. Could be somebody else. No, I, I, think, I think we'll be surprised. Oh, I, uh, that, the whole WEF st stigma, that cracked me up. That she, oh, but, uh, but she's, uh, Linda one of the senior, she's right. so She's about as similar to Klaus Schwab as I am. <laughs> so she is nothing like. Can, I just go, can we just go back to Amazon for one second, though? So you love being on Amazon now with oh, this yes. store. Oh, yes. Amazon. And on a relative and basis between Amazon and the other platform, the, I'm not talking about social media now, I'm talking about just e-commerce platforms, that's the winner for you? Um, it is. It, is, it still is. Uh, again, I've known Jeff Bezos since uh, he started the company. Um, and uh, I had Kleiner Perkins as my first backer, and, he back, and they backed um, Amazon and stuck with it for all, right. all these years. He's, uh, he's floating around in the Mediterranean. Um, Jeff Bezos, Martha says, come back. And, um, but <laughs> come back to Amazon. Come back, back to Amazon. Yeah, come back. You, you want him back. Well, well I just want his brain back, you know. And, uh, and he's, he's amazing. And, um, and I think that uh, it is a very good platform for selling. Uh, with the demise of so many of the retail outlets, right. uh, you, have to, you have to really look for where, where can you reach the largest audience. And, and that's one of the p biggest audiences ever. You are a phenom. I mean, you're, <laughs> you're, you are. You're bigger and better than ever. And there's some life lessons there, I think. Well, in, it's in energy. It's energy, curiosity. Optimism. Optimism. Even in this, Even in this world, yeah. even this world, you know, the optimism has to, has to persevere and, uh, and get the right leaders. 
and uh, and hopefully. How do we do that? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Elon Musk. Don't like, promote the you, bad ones. That was another Elon quote. Don't yeah, promote I just the want, bad uh, ones. I just want a normal human being as president. Is that too much to ask? That's, like, that's my feeling. Some a smart human. Everybody's being. they're going nodding. Right. <laughs> Is that possible? The one and only Martha Stewart. Thank you. Thank you this so much. Great to see you this morning. Thank Have you a nice so, so much. You too. Phew, you made it to the end of today's Squawk Pod. Thank you for sticking around this long. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 Eastern. And to get the best of our TV show right into your ears, follow Squawk Pod wherever you get your podcasts. We'll meet you right back here tomorrow. We are clear. Thanks, guys. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. 